Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. This is Amish Baby Machine. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast, starring me, Dags. Today we have a powerful show, and across this powerful oaken desk is my first mate and good buddy, Mike Rez. Hello, Dags. Back from the dead. I'm here to podcast with you. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot cooler, too. Now, what you seem kind of, what do you mean back from the dead? What, why are you acting like that? Well, I died over the weekend, Dags. Whoa, what was the time of death? Time of death was 3.15 p.m. on Saturday. Freaking ate a goddamn hot gummy bear. Yes, tell us. You ate the world's hottest gummy bear, the I little ate. nitro, 9 million Schofield units. Yeah, it was, it was the worst thing I've ever eaten in my life. Super hot. I was thinking that this couldn't be too bad. I mean, 9 million Scoville units. I mean, come on. Can't be really 9 million Scoville units. <laughs> yeah, I think it was really 9 million Scoville units. All right, set us up. Tell us, uh, flesh it out for us. How did this go down? All right. So our friends at Team Fat Kid podcast sent us a uh, gummy bear, this little nitro gummy bear. And uh, the challenge is to chew this gummy bear for one minute and then go five minutes without any relief. I think I made it 18 seconds chewing it. Whoa. And that's about as long as I could I could last. And then uh, after that, I tried to wait the five minutes, and I made it 15 seconds again. Short, short timer me, you know, lasting 18 seconds. Mm. Now, I've never had anything that hot. What can you compare it to? If anyone has ever eaten the sun, that's uh, probably equivalent to that. It's really hot. I mean, if you if you're not a fan of spice, it's probably, you know, equivalent to eating a jalapeno for you but if you're a fan of spice it's probably you know just keep eating ghost peppers or or the carolina reaper it's hotter than the reaper so now where do you does is it like a burning sensation or or does your mouth go numb or what is it like honestly it literally feels like it's on fire so after i swallowed it and the heat started kicking my ass every time i would take a, a a swig of milk it would go out it would feel extinguished until I swallowed the milk. And then within seconds, it would literally flare right back up again. Just like if you were to try to douse a, a flame that's being fueled by a chemical. If you, if you get it out, but you never get rid of the chemical and it flares right back up again, that's what it felt like. It's kind of like those uh, kids' uh, candles, birthday candles. You blow them out Correct. and they just come right back. Yeah, exactly. That's a good analogy. Powerful analogy powerful. on the most powerful podcast ever created. Now we're going to need you guys to go to our YouTube channel. Mike Rez made that powerful YouTube video of him documenting the world's hottest gummy bear, 9 million Scoville units. 
Right. Do not let that video flop. It didn't flop. It's already the hottest video in the world, literally and figuratively. We're going to need you to go to YouTube, Amish Baby Machine, the most powerful YouTube channel ever created. And while you're at it, follow us on Twitter at Amish Bee Machine. We're on Instagram. Check us out on Instagram. And wherever you get your powerful podcast, make sure you leave a review and subscribe. We're on everything, Spotify, Podbean, Apple, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google. Stitcher. Yes, Stitcher. Wherever you enjoy powerful podcasts, make sure you enjoy the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. That'd be great. Everyone check it out. Listen to our podcast. Give us a five-star review. Yes, five-star is the most powerful review you can do. If you do that, you will unlock secrets to the universe. Now, today we have a powerful show. We're going to review the movie Tom Hanks' Greyhound. We have a beer review, song of the day. It's going to be awesome. I always get you a powerful energy drink. Always something new. Yeah, and today is no exception. No, this is, you pronounce it Nas? I'm going to pronounce it Nas. Nas. Okay, let's go with Nas. This is the high-performance energy drink. Sonic Sour is the flavor, which is equivalent to like a green apple and we've discussed this before green apple is a pretty good flavor i think it's one of your favorites i believe i enjoy the sour apple the green apple yes this will uh enhance your mental focus it has terrine vitamin b3 one of my favorite vitamin b's caffeine b6 vitamin b12 there's a lot of b vitamins in this yes because we need you to be well what it the hell is, uh, what is it, inositol? Inositol, powerful. Inositol, what is that? Uh, it's not like aminos, amino acids. Oh, the branch chain? Branch chain. You love those. I almost said blockchain again. You did. Yeah, so that's why I didn't want to say it. Powerful drink. Yeah, what's this complex six? I can't tell you about complex six. It's kind of like area 51. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just drink it, just enjoy it. Dorm it? Take a slug right now. All right. Slam it. Here we go. Here we go. He is slamming the powerful NOS. It's a powerful phosphorescent green colored can. That is a nice green. It is. It uh, definitely lives up to the Sonic Sour name. Yes. Powerful, isn't it? It is powerful. Yes. I can feel it coursing through the veins. Yes. It's powerful. in the blood. It's intercoursing through the veins right now as we speak. As we speak. To the heart, to the brain. I'm feeling focused. Enhanced mental focus. Yes. Thank you. Thank you guys for enjoying our podcast today. We hope you have a good time today. Let's do a cheers right now. Fans at home, if you're driving, pull over. If you're at the gym, get off the bench and let's do a cheers. I'm drinking, as always, my Italian water, Dasani, and he has the powerful Nas. Cheers. Cheers. Powerful. We have a great show today. You know, I wanted, we got some weird news stories, too. Have you heard about the Chinese mystery seeds? I heard about the mystery seeds. Now tell us, the fans of Flock of Amish, what's going on with the Chinese mystery seeds? Well, from what I could gather reading some news stories yesterday, people across the country are receiving packets of seeds and packages with Chinese wording on them. They've been able to trace them back to China. Nobody knows what the seeds are yet as every state's agriculture department is now in a rush to find out what the heck is going on and why are these mystery seeds showing up. 
I I saw one theory, Dags, was that sometimes companies from foreign countries will buy mailing lists from other companies. And as these new companies are starting out, they just start mailing things out to get their shipping, some kind of shipping footprint out there. And they just send random stuff. And that's one way to do it. So they could be harmless, but they could be invasive species. I think they're biological weapons from space. They're evil space seeds. You think if they plant them, the killer clowns from outer yeah, space? I don't. I don't like it. I'm very concerned. I mean, the Pentagon has admitted there is UFOs. That's how you pronounce UFOs. Yep. There is UFOs. There is aliens, and now there's evil Chinese space seeds. Yeah. Did you have that for August of 2020? What's that? Evil space seeds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like every month there's something new. Yes. I, I hope this doesn't go the way of like the murder hornet and it's done in two days. The evil space seeds are here to stay. Yeah. Don't plant them if you get them. For God's sake, whatever you do, don't plant them. Can you roast them like pumpkin seeds? They might be high oh, in zinc. They might be. What if they have BCAA aminos? Blockchain aminos? <laughs> Powerful. Yeah. S- stay away from the Chinese seeds. I'm concerned. And you should be too. Some of those packages are labeled like stud earring, that that's what the contents is. Stud earrings. Stud earrings. Yeah. So if you ordered any jewelry in the last couple months, I bet you're going to get a package of seeds. You know, I'm very concerned about what is going on. I mean, is it kind of the George Michael thing where maybe the cross? Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yes. Choose podcast, by the way. Powerful. Yep. Wham. Powerful. Yeah, and then the other thing news story I was concerned about is McDonald's. What's going on with McDonald's? They are gonna close thirty percent of their stores. Why? Did the did the pandemic get them? Well, it says here McDonald's to close hundreds of restaurants this year. So their I'm sorry, their revenue has fell has fallen over thirty percent over the last three months. Whoa. Has to be pandemic related. Yes. Now, are you a McDonald's guy? No. What is your fast food of choice? I don't know if you can... Well, I guess it is considered fast food, but we like uh, Wingstop. We've only got a couple locations here in Minnesota. Now, you say we. I'm talking about you. <laughs> you. <laughs> All right. We as in me, Wingstop. Let's go. I want to go fast food, though. I want to... Well, that is fast food. It would be not fast food. fast food. It's expensive, over-the-top <laughs> wings. <laughs> So I'm talking McDonald's, Arby's, Wendy's, Taco right. Bell, Hardee's. If you're going to pigeonhole me to that, then we're going to go with Arby's because a mean roast beef sandwich is it's hard to beat. Put that Arby's sauce on there. You like the Arby's sauce. You I don't like the horsey sauce. No, no horsey sauce. You enjoyed the drink. I did. It's, it's coursing through your veins. It is. Now let's talk a little music. We had a musical passing. We did. Peter Green, formerly of Fleetwood Mac, one of the founding members of Fleetwood Mac, passed away within the last week. One of the best blues guitarists to ever live. In fact, he has been uh, mentioned above some of the greats, like Eric Clapton. And B.B. King had very high praise for Peter Green saying that uh, he was one of the best guitarists he's ever heard in his entire life. Now, what is your 
Why do you think when you think a blues guitar, the average person, Peter Green, doesn't come to mind? Why is that, do you think? Uh, I think because he was uh, really big in the UK in the 60s and 70s. And then uh, when Fleetwood Mac got real famous, he was no longer involved in that group anymore. He kind of fell off because of drugs. He went to a, uh, a party in Germany that was, had some bad LSD. And they, they actually traced that party back to when his mental state started slipping to the point where he could no longer be involved with Fleetwood Mac. You say bad LSD? Yeah. It was tainted or he had a bad trip or? It was, it was tainted, which led to a bad acid trip. And ever since that day, he was uh, not the same Peter Green. And uh, he started showing up to rehearsals and recording uh, sessions in robes, bath robes, you know, not getting dressed. Kind of like you, what you're wearing right now. Right. By the way, tie that shit up. He'd wear slippers, giant crosses. He at one point suggested that the band no longer take profit and they donate all of their money to charity. He had a giant cross hanging? Giant cross. He yeah. should have had like a Flava Flav clock. That would have been sweet. Oh, maybe that's where Flava Flav got the I idea. think so. So Peter Green passes away. A lot of people will know his, or Fleetwood Mac's hit that he sings on. It was one that, that I sent you, uh, Oh Well. It's probably their more famous hit in the United States that people know. It's played a lot on the classic rock stations. He also wrote a song for Santana. Do you think you could guess which one it is? Santana? The Santana. What is it? Black Magic Woman. Whoa. Yeah, he actually didn't write it for Santana at first. Fleetwood Mac recorded a version of that song themselves. That flopped. So Santana picked it up, and the rest is history for Santana. Wow, I was thinking maybe that Matchbox 20 guy would have did a cover of it. Oh, I bet he did. (laughs) (laughs) Peter Green, rest in peace, man. It's a name that most people don't know. But his influence in that song, Oh Well, it's been covered a million times. Yeah. And the, the flock should go. And I think the only version that's uh, some of the first early uh, Fleetwood Mac albums are, is the live version. And I'm not a fan of the live version of that song. But the one that you hear on the radio, the, the studio version is the one that I like. It's not that long. It's just like two minutes and... 50 seconds. Yeah, I will, I will put it up on show notes. Make sure you check it out on AmishBabyMachine.com. Now, it's funny you talk about studio versions versus live versions. Usually the studio version's better, but the one difference, the one, uh, one that comes to mind is Live at the Budokan, Cheap Trick, I Want You to Want Me. <laughs> right, yeah, and that's the only version you can get. Have you heard the studio version? No, I've never heard L- the studio yeah, version. Yeah, listen, I'll put that out part for show notes. I want you to want me the studio version versus the live version that was recorded in Japan. Yeah. It's that, amazing. I didn't even know there was a studio. I thought there was only the live version because that's the only one you hear. <laughs> you thought they just made it up. <laughs> yeah. They were like, we're just going to play yeah, this just, one live. Yeah. <laughs> that's sweet. Now, so as far as Fleetwood Mac, you also picked a song of the day. What song are you going with today? Today we're going with uh, one of my favorite uh, underrated songs now is Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. The lead on that song is Christine McBee. It was produced by the one and only Lindsay Buckingham, 
of uh, Make Matters Worse fame. <laughs> he always made matters worse when he was in the group. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was released as the fourth single off of the Tango in the Night album on November 28th, 1987. It made some noise on the charts, making it to number one in Belgium, number one in Canada, uh, in the United States here. It made it to number one in the adult contemporary, up to 14 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. And uh, Tango in the Night was actually, I believe, Fleetwood Mac's 14th studio album, but the fourth with Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. Now, as far as Fleetwood Mac, what do you like better? Do you like the old bluesy, or do you like this? Uh, I mean, that's like total pop. I think I'm I'm a fan of like when they started turning pop. So they started turning like rocky and popish before uh, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks joined. It's just when after those two joined, they really took off uh, with uh, with their albums, and that's when I got introduced to Fleetwood Mac was after uh, Lindsey and Stevie. Are you familiar with the Rumors album? I am very familiar with Rumors, yes. Yeah, to me, I that's probably, off the top of my head, it's probably the most popular album. Is that true? Yes, 10 singles off of that one that yeah. charted. And if you listen to the, I mean, the songs on there, the production quality, the attention to detail, that's a masterpiece album. Yeah, what my favorite part about Rumors and, and after, you know, after the first album that Lindsay and Stevie were in. Stevie Nicks wrote a lot of the songs, and it was pretty much about how Lindsey Buckingham was a terrible boyfriend and then made him sing them. The funny thing is, though, the, those relationships, you know, if you have normal relationships, it's not going to give you passion and you're not going to have good music. No, no. I always I, make the joke about <laughs> Billy Joel, you know, his songs when he was all depressed, you know. Right. Big shot versus... You know, uptown girl, you know, he's all happy and there's no soul to it. All right, yeah. So it's kind of sad, but if you got a lot of emotion going on, I mean, we're just like the blues. Right. I mean, the blues, that's not happy music, but people no. like it. Yeah. I think Fleetwood Mac as a, as a group, were, they were kind of destined to fail from the beginning. They just never knew when to hang it up. And then they just kept dealing with each other. Even in the beginning when they formed in the 60s, 1967, I mean, their personalities clashed from the start. And every person they brought in usually ended up leaving because of something. You know, so I mean, it's like the, the group was just like, they were destined for greatness. Just along the way, there was going to be a lot of, what the fuck, you know, going on. One of their members that didn't last very long said uh, they were on tour and he left the hotel saying he was going to get a magazine. He went and joined a cult. Whoa. Yeah, he was only in the group for like three months. They've had uh, people go on to play with Alan Parsons, Eric Clapton. At one point, Mick Fleetwood was married to uh, the sister of George Harrison's wife. And the Beatles actually wanted Fleetwood Mac to sign on the Apple records. But uh, Fleetwood Mac said no and signed with Sony instead. Or Warner Brothers, excuse me. Yeah, that Apple label didn't last very long, did it? No, not very long at all. So it's probably a good, uh, good call on their side of things. But they were the first UK band to manage themselves uh, after um, a debacle in the 70s, just before Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham joined in. And once they started doing that, they, uh, like I said, then their fame really started taking off. So I don't know if it was a combination of just right place, right time, because they moved to California. They were all 
living in England, uh, and then the band moved here, and that's when they found Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham at a studio. I wonder who, who got all the profits off of that. And that's so many people, like the Rumors album. Yeah. Hopefully they had good lawyers that everyone got a piece <laughs> of the action. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, who goes, gets written in as a writer. You know, those writer credits, that's what you want. Definitely. So that's, I like one of the, the music shows, uh, that competition shows that we're on, it, they'd have, bring in these songwriters, you know, and then they put them in front of like Will I Am and the Jonas Brothers and some other famous people that are used to writing music and they'll decide whether or not they want to work with that person and they do and then they change it but because they've changed so much of it they can put their name down as a writer so now you're like all right this is just to build their catalog up it's oh, really like wow. stealing yeah people's ideas yeah you know it's like that's so shitty that is a little uh a little sketchy yeah well, powerful thank you on that powerful talk on fleetwood mac and the song of the day one more time is everywhere everywhere powerful much like the amish baby machine pop culture podcast we are everywhere and we also enjoyed a movie me and micah rez greyhound tom hanks wrote actually wrote the screenplay for this this was supposed to have a theatrical release in june yeah but then apple tv grabbed it because of the Corona. COVID. We both enjoyed this movie. Well, enjoyed as in watched it. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, yet. we'll get into it. Yeah. Go. Tell us a little bit about the movie. Sure. Greyhound. Uh, Greyhound is a war film set in World War II. It stars Tom Hanks as the first time U.S. Navy commander of his first wartime assignment. And what he has to do is escort a group of merchant ships across the Atlantic. And he's got a couple other, call them escort ships that are with them. I think they're that, in a convoy. Yes. Yeah, they're in a convoy. And there's uh, the Greyhound, which is the the U.S. ship, which is the lead command ship. And then there's two uh, British ships and one Canadian ship as well that are along with this group to uh, escort 37 ships across the Atlantic. Now, what happens is the convoy takes off, probably from Halifax as we learned last, uh, on our last episode. And the air, I guess you could say the... Uh, air cover. Air cover only can last so long across the Atlantic towards Europe, and then they have to fly off. And so that leaves the convoy in what they called the pit. The black pit. Right, the black pit, which is about, what, 50 hours outside of Europe uh, or more. Uh, depending, I can't remember. I think it was 50 hours in the movie. Did you say the Brad Pitt? I haven't seen the Brad Pitt. No, no. it's a different one. The frightening. Frightening? Yes. So they're in the Black Pit. So they're in the Black Pit. And in the Black Pit are a lot of, usually a lot of German U-boats, German submarines. And you try to make it through the Black Pit without running into any of them. But of course, this is a movie and it wouldn't be entertainment without it. So you have action. That starts up pretty much right away in the movie. You don't have to wait very long. Well, to tell you the truth, though, it is the Battle of the Atlantic. This was not, this was real action. I mean, right. it was horrible. They had the, the U-boats, and they would travel in wolf packs, meeting large groups of them. Yeah, and in this particular movie, there are five. Five in this wolf pack. The Gray Wolf is the leader of the German U-boats. 
And so they have they have to try to make it close enough to Europe to get the air cover from the uh, Royal Air Force on that side of the Atlantic. Action ensues, like I said, right away. It's nonstop. And uh, I think it kind of gives you a, a pretty good feel for what how hectic it could be and how tight some of those quarters are, especially in at the helm of uh, a destroyer uh, like the Greyhound. Yep, so you're in a ship, and it's, I mean, the, the waves are up, it's dark, I mean, it's frightening. Yeah, rough seas. Yeah, it's definitely rough seas. Cold, this is, uh, what, February? Yeah, so they, they show that everything is icing up. Mm-hmm. You have to use, uh, what, warm seawater to get the wipers on the windows to even work so they could see out the windows. Yeah, the windows are frosting up. Now let's talk a little bit about the acting. You had Tom Hanks; he wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. You had Stephen Graham from Snatch. Did you see the movie Snatch? I did. It's been a while though, but I yes, did see. Yes, he was Snatch. Tommy from Snatch. Yep. He's also in The Irishman, uh, Gangs in New York. Yes, he's in that as well. Powerful actor. Elizabeth Shue was in there. You also had uh, Rob Morgan. He was Cleveland. So, what are your thoughts on the acting? I like the acting. I like the actor Stephen Graham. Uh, his he I, it seems like everything he's in he's a pretty good supporting actor. His role is is pretty important in the movie. But I like him as an actor. Elizabeth Shue's character is not in there very long. I'm not quite sure why she was in there. I mean, in the in the grand scheme of things, I think they were just setting up his home life. I guess I could see that. Got to fill another ten minutes of movie on either side. That being said, it was pretty much all action, though. Yeah. Because a lot of, you know, people complain about, you know, like the movie Pearl Harbor. You know, they have all the other... The love story. Exactly. And this was, I mean, you got to admit, it was pretty much straight action. Yeah. And that's what I liked about it. It was an hour and a half that they filled up pretty well with action. I mean, it's nitty gritty. You know, here's Tom Hanks. This is how he, you know just before he got the command and this is what's happening while he's in command. Uh, and it, it takes, uh, I would guess probably about an hour and 20 minutes of, of action throughout the whole movie nonstop. Yeah. Now this is one I wish we would have saw in the movie theater. Yeah. Because even if you have a halfway decent big screen, you're not going to get that effect. The immersion effect. Like I always talk about a movie theater is the big screen. And then you're surrounded by the powerful speaker. It's a sound system. Because in a naval movie, especially a submarine movie, I mean, you're hearing the waves, the torpedoes, the depth charges. Depth charges are my favorite. Aren't they awesome? Yeah. They just pop them off. Doom, doom, doom. And then you get those big, powerful, you know, underwater explosions, and then it shoots the water spray up. Yeah. There's nothing cooler than depth charges. When I was watching it, I was definitely, you know, jealous that we weren't able to see this in the movie theater. Upset, I guess it's a better word. Is you know some of those scenes and the and the sounds would have been really cool to hear on those big sound systems. Oh, absolutely! Like every time when the U boat, the U boat dove underwater, you know, just that that sound or the sonar pings even. Oh yes, powerful, iconic sounds. You know, and and it's too bad too with the ships. You know, you have to do CGI, but it would be kind of cool. I mean, pretty much impossible to pull it off, but to actually make a movie with actual ships to show what. A convoy would look like in in World War Two, yeah, and they would have made models of the convoy if this was 
Yeah, and 1980s. I, I do something. like I, I do like practical effects, but it, it's it, it would be pretty cool just to see some real ships too. I don't even care if you like in the old movies when they used to splice in actual footage. It'd right. just be kind of cool to see the scale and the size of the ships. Pretty powerful. I mean, the the ships themselves. Though, I mean, it's kind of hard for me when I think I just got sucked into the action. As like you said, it is CGI, but not not once did I think, oh, I hate CGI. No, they're getting really good at the CGI. Yeah. And the waves, the water. You said CGI in water is tough. In CGI is tough. It's actually pretty... No, they're getting good. I said the toughest is smoke and ice. Smoke and ice. Yeah, smoke. And you could tell in these explosions, too. I wasn't a big fan of the explosions or the burning. No, no. But it's that's the toughest thing. I think ice and smoke and the the water, they're getting good at that. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just nitpicking. Yeah. But it... I mean, it was cool that... That'll see. What'd you think of the U-boat commander taunting him? <laughs> I actually kind of, it as much as like, God, what an asshole. It's actually pretty cool. I like that they put that in there. And then he kept, uh, they, the first time he does it and they switch frequencies and then he finds the other frequency. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking, how about Arnold? Wouldn't he have been cool as the U-boat commander? Look at you. <laughs> Tom Hanks, what's the matter? Navy have you pushing too many pencils? God, that would be cool. Wouldn't that be Arnold as the U-boat commander? That would have been funny. Yes. <laughs> we need more Arnold. Yeah. We got to get that guy some work. Get to the U-boat! <laughs> I was thinking about, what did you think about uh, Rob Morgan as Cleveland? He kept bringing him food. Eat the goddamn food. Yeah, I was getting I didn't, hungry. What? I didn't get... I, <laughs> Eat the food. So I was like, God damn, that's a ham and bacon sandwich. Yes, it was delicious. Fucking eat it. Yes, eat the food. It did make me want a coffee, though. Yes. And that was weird, but I felt I did feel bad for Cleveland. He was like, dude, you got to eat, man. No spoiler alerts, but then they had the, the scene where we talk about food, where he had the, the meat chops kind of all in a bag, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, what was up with that? Too? Yeah, I don't know. That was a little... Uh, that was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. It's only available on Apple TV right now, which I hope they make available to a larger audience. And they always have the tropes too. I like how he's a captain and he mispronounces everyone's name. <laughs> Lipschitz. Oh, that's Lipschultz, sir. Yeah. yeah. Epstein. <laughs> that's Epstein. <laughs> God, yeah. That... And they always have the cool, you know, the Lopez, the cool guy that, you know, the master of the sonar. and Right. And why is Tom Hanks, he's always, he's like a crabby old guy now. Like he was a crabby old guy in the Saving Private Ryan, and this one he's all crabby, crabby old. old guy. Yeah, what's up with him? I think he's typecasting himself. I think is what he's doing. Although the the first the, the scene with the Elizabeth Shoe in the beginning, he kind of had his Tom Hanks as Mister Rogers thing going on. Yeah, <laughs> which kind of bugged me. Do you think they CGI'd his face or what? I don't know. There, I, I felt like there was something going on. There is a lot of Instagram filters going on there. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Uh, Mono, Twilight, Luna. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just guessing names of Instagram filters. What are you rating this powerful film? I would probably give it three and a half buggy wheels. Wasn't my favorite war movie, but it was a it was a good action movie that uh, that made me feel good about action movies. I guess I don't know. What about you? I would rate it a 3.75. Well, it's good to actually see a movie, too. A new movie? Yes. Yeah. 
What did you, um, what would you change differently about it? I would probably, honestly, I would get rid of the stuff that wasn't necessary. Like the Elizabeth Shue character in that story, for me, that wasn't necessary to the story. You didn't really need that to know who he was as a captain. And I think they realized that too, because that part was, what, three minutes long? And I just felt like that just wasn't, wasn't necessary. You could add a couple more action sequences to make up that time to get it to the out back to the hour and a half if you want to get it over an hour and 30. Uh, the Cleveland character, I, I didn't really get why he was there. Um, wasn't really part of, you know, huge part of the story either. Like, just like little minor things like that. What do you think about having some scenes of the U-boat commander? I kind of like that they didn't show that. Okay. Because it, it, you just knew them as ships, as, as U-boats. You know, there was no human element behind them. I think they, were, they did that on purpose just to, and then they start, uh, you know, fucking with each other. It makes it a little, it's, it's just a U-boat. You know, you're not really getting to know. But then the Tom enemy. Hanks alluded to it, calling them souls. You know, when those guys got excited when they sunk the first U-boat. Right, 55 souls. Yes. Yeah. I think that was just to show his, his character a little more depth in his character. They do that with these big actors in these movies to make them sound, feel more human. People think, oh, see, they're not a bad guy. Look at this character. They did that with Mel Gibson in The Patriot. Who would you have, if it wasn't Tom Hanks, who do you think would have been cool as the commander, the captain? That's a good question. Powerful question. Trying to think of... uh, How would Mel Gibson do it? His eyes would pop out a lot and he would (laughs) yell a lot. He'd be a lot more yelling, And when when the dude brought the food to him, he would knock the shit out of his hand. Yeah. Fuck is this, Cleveland? (laughs) Give me back my coffee! (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who I would get to uh, play the captain. Have you thought about that, who you would get? Well, how about the the dude um, from 300? Jared Butler? Yes. Yeah, he'd make a good captain. Yes, he would chum around with the other uh, seamen, and they'd love him. Yeah. He'd have to uh, throw in a lot of 300 references, though. Yes. would be a big dick, do you think? John Voight. John Voight. Wow. No, I'm just trying to... That was the first name that popped in my head when you wow. said dick. How about Jack Nicholson? <laughs> Could you give me some death charges? <laughs> Can you give me some freaking death charges? You'd have to do like the Joker thing. <laughs> you can't handle death charges. <laughs> yeah, he'd be cool, Jack Nicholson. What about Tom Cruise as a Navy commander? Oh, Tom Cruise, yeah. Would there be enough running scenes? He'd have to have like scenes where he's running through the boat. Yes. He, well, he has a need for speed. Tom Cruise on there would be cool. Matt Damon? Yeah, Matt Damon. Hopefully he would uh, fall overboard. What about his twin brother, Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck, wow. I could probably see him. Were you about to say Mark Wahlberg? Yes, Marky Mark. No. (laughs) Hey, you book commander. Say hi to your mother for me. Well, what about one of your favorites, Ryan Reynolds? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ryan Reynolds. I'm Ryan Reynolds. I'm the commander of a Navy ship. Yeah, he'd get on the, he would taunt the U-boat commander. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, that would be cool, though. 
What do you guys think, fans, flock of Amish? Hit us up on Twitter, at Amish B Machine. Who, who do you think would be a cool, instead of Tom Hanks in the movie Greyhound, who would you want to see? Or on, on the deck, like, cast of characters. Maybe that's what they should have done, though. They should have made it more of a cool ensemble cast. You know, right. kind of like Tombstone. and have, They should have showed the enemies, too. Maybe it would have been trope or cliche, but I would have liked to seen the U-boat guys and, and Arnold as the head... <laughs> Throw the rock in there somewhere. Oh, the oh, the rock would be in there, right? Hopefully, the rock would would be killed in like a the boiler would explode or something on one of the ships. Yeah, he'd be the guy. He'd be like, "I'll go do it, Captain. I'll go save yeah. the boiler." And then kinda, the boiler yeah. explodes. Kinda like Steven Seagal died on executive <laughs> decision. Uh, what if we got Harrison Ford <laughs> as the commander? Get off my ship! <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Yeah, who else? That'd be awesome. Jean-Claude Van Damme would be on there. He'd be a cool, he'd be like on the French ship. If Chuck Norris was the captain, the U-boats never would have messed with him. Chuck Norris, yeah. Well, Sly. We're just going to go down the list of old Stallone. dudes. Hey, uh, U-boat captain, uh, <laughs> I got some depth charges for you. <laughs> that was the worst Sly stuff. No, that was good, though. <laughs> Give some speech at the end. About how everyone changes. <laughs> you change. <laughs> or the montage would be awesome. Because you know he would have written a montage oh, in there. Oh my god, can you imagine the music? Oh yeah, it'd be sweet. Be some 80s rock band. Oh my god, and they'd just show the ship just cruising through the waves, busting through the waves. and Yeah. Powerful. Just depth charge after depth yes, charge. Yes, Top Gun on the water. Oh yeah. Yes. God, that would be powerful. Someone's got to write it. Yes. So Top Gun, you know, he did the Days of Thunder. You know, he's always got to be in, you know, fast things, cars. Yep. Yep. He could be in a cool ship. Definitely. Iceman involved. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like you. Your shipping is dangerous. That's right. I am dangerous. But you know what's one thing? Everything, I, I love the depth charges. Everyone loves explosions. You ever notice the airstrike always saves a day in all these movies? Like, this is the Navy, but what saves a day is when the, the Army Air, Air Force. Force comes in. Army Air Force back then, they didn't have the actual Air Force. I think it switched over, whatever year it switched over. But they dropped the bombs and they blew it up. So, you know, you think of the Mel Gibson movie, the napalm, the airstrikes. Yep. Every movie is saved by the airstrike. Well, because the airstrike is powerful. No, but it's weird how it takes over and people love it they love airstrikes every movie should have an airstrike i agree actually i i'll let you mention it yeah you're right i mean look at uh saving private ryan saving private ryan airstrike yep. we were soldiers like you just mentioned yes full airstrike. of airstrikes yes this movie airstrike yes powerful i love the clear and present danger the airstrike in there yeah there's one in that one too yeah, and it's cool too because you get to the pilots always like, rah, 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 rah. you know, he's always talking and you love to see that shot. And then they release the, the, the fucking bomb rocket missile, whatever it is. It's awesome. Yeah. Every movie should have an airstrike. Nicholas Cage. Just thinking of that. Nicholas Cage. As the Navy commander. He would be the commander. Oh. Instead of Tom Hanks. Okay. He wouldn't be a wacky seaman. Well, he would be the wacky seaman in charge of. <laughs> The ship. <laughs> you imagine, like, like when he like just goes crazy, 
gets those Powerful. crazy eyes, like after the first U-boat sinks. How about a scene where Tom Hanks is on the toilet on the ship? Do you think that would have worked? <laughs> for some people. Yes. Yeah. Not for me, but for no, others. I just, Tom Hanks on the toilet. Whatever they cool, cool naval term, whatever it is. You ever notice that in the whole movie, it was just cool naval terms. Bearing, five, four, three. And they always got to repeat everything, too. Yeah, because the sonar guy, then the messenger guy, and then yes. the captain. Do they ever have just casual conversation? Probably not in the middle of a sea battle. Well, they should. Yeah. I feel they should. Left rudder full. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> hey, get a load of that dame over there. <laughs> yeah, they're always turning rudders, and they always have cool compasses, too. We should have compasses on this podcast. You know, they're always using compasses and drawing lines, and I don't even know what's going on. But Calculating they're always, things. Yes, they're always drawing cool. I would have like a spiral graph or something on there, you know? Yeah, you would definitely turn it into something more artsy. Yeah, we need compasses. We need, we need those cool boards where they're always writing numbers down. Yeah. It, it's the one scene the guy wrote on that board backwards. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know what it means. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know. I'm not in the Navy. I, I, I would just be writing down random numbers, and then they'd look <laughs> at it and go, what the hell is this <laughs> shit? I mean, how, come on. They don't know all those yeah. numbers. Just write that random numbers. That is not numbers. what we just told you. Like, no, but it's what I interpreted. Yeah, and they had the cool thing, like, you know, they had the cool trope cliche where he's telling them to turn this way, and they're all looking at each other like, what is he doing? Right, yeah. But of course he knows best. <laughs> right, yeah. He's going left. Okay, we're going to go right. Yes. Did you say right, yes. sir? Yes. We need Gene Hackman, too. God, he was great, isn't he? I love Gene Hackman. Yes. What is your favorite naval submarine movie? A Hunt for Red October. Great, great one. And uh trying to remember what else is out there. I enjoyed Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide was good. I forgot about that one. Yes. Powerful. God, yeah. I love Gene Hackman. Would you consider this a submarine movie? Well, close enough. Yeah. You know, it's a battle of the Atlantic, ships, convoys. Yeah, I could call it a submarine movie, even though, you know, it's not primarily always on the... On a submarine? Yeah. I would have had, I would have liked a little more sub-action showing. They had some cool, those torpedoes, and the torpedoes, how come the torpedoes always hit, you know, the other ships, but they never hit? Because <laughs> you didn't write the movie. They yes, didn't write, if they would have written the screenplay, I mean, they the would have survived. Hanks is driving around like a goddamn bumper car. <laughs> evasive action yes it's the millennium falcon of navy ships oh and i love the the ship whistle too we got to get one of those now hear this yes, now hear this powerful ship whistle yeah i love ship whistles maybe we should write that into the intro yes powerful powerful episode today did you enjoy yourself today mike rose i did i always do i'm glad to be back from the dead check out the youtube channel everyone Yep, go to our YouTube channel, Amish Baby Machine. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Amish Baby Machine, Instagram, and wherever you enjoy powerful podcasts, please leave a review. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else fine podcasts are found. Please support our podcast through Patreon and shop our merch at AmishBabyMachine.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. This has been an Amish Baby Machine production.